da, da, da. It's that time again, hey? Uh, Christmas is back around. How many people feel like this year just hasn't been 12 months? I personally feel like I thought it was going to, at the start of this pandemic, I thought it was going to be like a real drag and take forever, but it probably has happened the opposite. It feels like it's gone quicker. But uh, we're coming into Christmas, and so what we're actually doing is we're taking a break. We've been looking at 29 weeks, we've been looking through the book of Mark. And it's been a fantastic series so far because we've been able to actually just go really deeply into what the gospel of Mark recounts as Jesus's life and what he is actually recorded there. And it's been super beneficial to just not rush over it, be able to gleam over all the lessons that's in there. So that's going to continue again next year. But as of for now, we want to actually stop recognize that we're coming into Christmas. And if you remember, we've actually been looking for the past couple of years at a different word associated four years. I'm being signaled. Last four years, we've been looking at a different word associated with Christmas. And I don't know if you can guess what this one is, but we've got it up everywhere at the moment. We're looking at peace this year. And actually, what does it mean to have peace? What does peace actually look like? How does the Bible talk about peace? We just associate this peace concept and it has so many tangible understandings. Let me tell you a story about what I mean. When I was about seven or eight years ago playing futsal, futsal was my sport of success, I managed to get to a point where I was playing for Australia and we were playing against China. So it was Australia v China in the final. In that moment, what happened was, I didn't, it may have looked like I was experiencing peace in our final, but really all it was is I just knew what I was doing. I was confident in my ability. I was confident in my team. And I was confident that we had the, the, the game plan to be able to win. Now that's not peace, but from an external sitting point, it could look like it was peaceful because it was just being played like it should be played. In the same breath, when I did my HSC, which is becoming a long time ago now, um, when I did that, uh, I got to be honest, I didn't care. So whilst it may have seemed that I was being rather blasé around the uh, whole test and stuff, I was, but that wasn't peaceful. It wasn't like I was going into it comforted, supported in that state of peace so that I could engage with it the best I could. I just didn't care which again, don't do that if you're in year 12 or coming up to it. When I was actually uh, doing my music, when I'd get up and have to do concerts or perform and do my music, I knew that I was trained. I knew the hours I put into the practice. I knew the hours that I'd put to get to that point where I can perform, but that wasn't peace. It was just confidence in my ability. Again, all these moments can look like peace, but it's not really what the heart of peace is. So this morning, what we want to look at is what is peace and what, how do we find peace in our world, especially when this year's been so hard and, you know, we, let's be honest, uh, it's, it's hard to have peace in the hard times more so than it is to become complacent in the better times. So we specifically, particularly want to look at what does it mean to have peace in this current context, in the hard times, and in this world. Well, let's start with a few Bible verses. These are some Bible verses that talk about peace. And the one we're going to kick off is the verse I want to focus on today. 
It's this one, John 14, verse 27. This is Jesus talking, okay? So he's about to leave. He's died. He's been resurrected. He's about to leave. This is the one we're using for the whole sermon series, actually. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So it's a very distinguishable difference to what peace is. But it's coming from Jesus, This is one aspect. This is another verse about peace. It's a little bit later on. John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. Does that make peace a gift? Or is it something we have to work for? Is it something we have to let go of? Let's look at another verse. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with you. There's another reference to peace. Let's keep moving through. There's a few of them I wanted to show and it's only just touching on the biblical idea of peace. Colossians 3 verse 15. Let peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present yourself, your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 3, verse 11, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue. Romans 14, verse 9, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to be mutual and to mutual edification. There's a lot of scriptures. I've only just touched the, the top of it. These are just some well-known ones regarding what peace is. What is peace? You know, I'm, I asked before, is it something that you have to work towards, a state of peace? Is it something that you have to uh, get given? Is it a gift? Is it something that we can only be achieved by the spiritually elite? You know, like a monk that goes away and hides Or is it something that actually you have to strip yourself of everything to be able to find? This is the question we're looking at. What is peace? True and authentic peace, a truly Christian understanding of peace, comes from Jesus. And that's what the verse this morning was. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Now, there's a very distinguishable part there, that second bit in there, that's really interesting. The world also gives a form of peace, but it's different to the peace that God gives us. What does that mean? Well, we're going to explore this. But first, I want to look at the Bible's story of peace. And it's much more than just a simple absence of war. You know, we often think of like, the, the peace being this construct that's around when the other countries are getting along with each other, you know, and we're afraid of what America's going to do next at the moment, so there's no peace, you know, or maybe it's because there's a political campaign that's changing the, the, the civil rest of the country, so we're going to have an experience of, the, uh, of everything that's not peace. But the promise of peace that runs through the entire Old Testament, that's the first part of the Bible, finds its fulfillment in the person of Jesus. So the, the promise of peace is fulfilled by Jesus. When they, and it's represented by this idea of calling Jesus the Prince of Peace. On the eve of the death, Jesus spoke of his loving relationship with the Father. 
and his, the unifying power that his love bestows upon his disciples. It's a farewell discourse that we read this morning in this verse here. He's leaving. The words of the risen Lord, so he's come from the dead, uh, of Jesus are no different. And every time when he was on the world, after he'd raised, he'd greet the disciples or anyone he'd come along with by saying, peace be with you. Peace be with you. True and lasting peace is more a matter of love than justice. Now, let me, let me paint you an image. If we think about, for example, who, who, who knows how to like graft fruits into different trees? No one here? That's all right. So what you can do when, when you're actually planting a tree, there's this, this way that they can ingrain it so that a different tree can bear a different fruit or a different version of a fruit. If you might have seen like blue watermelons or something, they're awesome. You're going to have so much fun exploring this after the service, I can tell. Um, but there's this part. And so if you think of a tree that's bearing this fruit of peace, well, the tree would be justice. And the fruit of justice is peace. Would you agree? Bruce agrees. Anyone else agree? Cool. We've got an interactive crowd this morning. I love it. On the chat, if you agree, type in agree. But the, the fruit of the justice is, is peace. And we see that. And that's why people are threatened when people are not given the respect due to them, when dignity is not, dignity's not shown, when civil life is, uh, directed, isn't directed towards the common good. It's the defense and promotion of human rights. And it occurs in this form of peace. But what I would argue is that is just a weak version of, and when we start to look at the biblical understanding of where peace comes from, it actually comes from love. The root of peace is love, and if you love, there will be peace. The true and lasting peace is more a matter of love than justice because the function of justice is merely to do away with the obstacles to peace. Let me say that again. The function of justice is merely to do away with the obstacles to peace. Whereas an act, whereas the injury done or the peace itself, however, is an act and only results from love. So what does it mean to find peace in our world and comparison between like this idea of worldly peace and this idea of God's peace that he gives us. Well, let's have a look. The peace offered by the world is an empty promise, really. If we want to get real just blunt to the point, it's an empty promise and can only bring temporary comfort. God's peace is permanent and is the only one who can be trusted in keeping his word. And remember how I said to find what you got to know and it is even that you're looking for you got to actually start with knowing what it is. Right at the start, that's what I mentioned. you got to know what you're looking for. So we're going to actually go through some ways of identifying what the world's peace is first and then God's peace. So if we bring up the first slide, the world's peace is fleeting and changes with circumstances. Think about that in your world. A time when... You're peaceful. Maybe you got a phone call 
And all of a sudden, the whole construct of peace that was in your life at that time is no longer there because there is depression or anxiety or sadness or grief. It might have even been, your peace might have been destroyed because a good thing happens, so you have excitement and joy. It's not just a, a bad thing that can influence the state of peace. During times of prosperity, nations experience temporary peace and the irony of these times is when God gives us good gifts, we generally tend to twist it and make the good gifts of God. We lose sight of who actually provided it in the first place. You know, there's a verse in Micah, verse three, Micah chapter 3, verse 5 that says this, Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouth. This is what I mean by the, the world is changing with circumstance. Someone will declare peace and the, the peace of the world is uh, precarious. But as that happens, there's still not peace in the same aspect of the world. It's only circumstantial. The world's peace ignores the root of the problem. If we put on that next slide, the world's peace ignores the root of the problem. When asked, what's wrong with the world today? What would you say? You can chuck it in the chat and Annette will call it out for you. Or what would you say? What's wrong with the world today? You know, that's what the, all the beauty pageants queens say. I'd ask for world peace. <laughs> So obviously, if that's the thing that we're looking for, there must be something wrong. You know, some things that come to my mind are uh, things that come in my conversations, volatile stock markets. Oh, that's a fun conversation. Can't tell where the stocks are going. Corrupt governments, disappearing rainforests, poor diets, lack of healthcare, broken families, overcrowded schools, and more. Things are wrong with the world. And the world tries to fix these problems by doing good, feeding children, building wells, regulating markets, conserving wildlife, funding charter schools, and thereby achieving a type of peace. These are good things to do, but the problem still stands. The world's peace tries to fix the symptoms of sin, but fails to see how the root of the problem is the sin. Disease itself, something that can only be healed by Jesus, the gift of his peace, because he's the only one that can forgive us of our sins. You know, there's a couple of verses in the Old Testament again that says, this one's from Jeremiah 6 verse 14. It says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Another one is in Ezekiel 13 verse 10. Precious because they have misled my people saying peace when there is no peace and because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. God's peace is permanent and firmly grounded in his word and through that he forgives us from our sins and brings us true peace. So what's the question from there? Is, it's this actually, is your experience of peace just a band-aid to the deeper underlying wound? Take a second to think about that. The peace that you experience is that genuine peace 
Or is it just a band-aid to the deeper underlying wound? And if it is, then we need to come to a point where we can find Jesus and actually ask Him to fix that. Let's look at some of what God's peace is. The first thing is God's peace is permanent and secure. God's peace is permanent and secure. When circumstances are free of conflict, we merely we moment, enjoy a momentary peace. But when we face difficult relationships, health problems and financial crises, or the momentary quiet is disrupted and chaos rules the day. Would you agree? I've had many a days where just one day, it just ruins the whole day because of one moment of bad news or actions. But our God offers peace in the midst of chaos and His peace doesn't change with the circumstances. It is secure in spite of the circumstance. Let me read again for you some verses. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says this, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. There's another one from John, the same chapter that we're just reading our main verse from. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome this world. The fact that the person that's offering our peace has been through and beaten what we go through is a big deal. One more, that one that we read before. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Do you even want to experience a peace which remains constant in the positive and tough times? Because first of all, we have to want it and then we ask for it and God won't hold back. But if you don't, then he won't impose it on you. And you can continue to live in this inconstant, superficial life of worldly peace but you'll never be able to experience the depth of peace that God wishes to desire, to bless us with. Two more things, two more things. God's peace is built on the sure foundation of his word. You know, interesting side note, the Bible is the most historically accurate and most overly proved book ever written. Everything that's in there is just from a historian point of view, from a lawyer point of view. There's been many of these specialists that look at it from an, ex an exterior perspective and validate the authenticity of the Bible. It's incredible. But when it comes to this, God's peace is built on the sure foundation of it words. That actually affirms even more because we also believe in faith in the, the validity of Jesus and the word and what's provided. But we believe that our peace comes from that point. Young or old, male or female, we've all experienced the pain of a broken promise, have we not? 
No matter how much our family, friend, or co-worker loves us, at some point, someone will disappoint us. And despite our best intentions, we are likely to disappoint someone else by saying one thing or doing another. This isn't something that God does. He's always held true to His Word throughout all of Scripture. He's always held true to His promises and He always follows through with what He says. God's peace is ours because Jesus heals our root of sin. And this is the major thing. It's actually not just a band-aid over the top. God gets to the point and stitches back the problem that started with. He removes that toxic part or he takes it out and he brings in the life-giving love that he needs to bring. You know, there's, there's this one thing in common that happens in all other religions. And it's kind of a bit nervy talking about other religions from the pulpit, but there's one thing in common. And I explored this a lot before I started my study, but they all, this is the one thing in common in all the other religions. They try to achieve peace with God by doing work and by following rules. Every other religion tries to achieve peace by doing works for God and by following rules. Christianity is the only one that's different because it is in Christ Jesus that God gave himself and he says it is simply only through myself that you can make it. It's just a free gift for you to receive. That's the only religion that actually God gives himself. Now, why do I mention that? That's a, that's, it's, you know, it's a bit of a random thought, but it's because Jesus' sacrifice addresses the root of the problem that the world ignores. The world ignores that it's broken from God and subsequently lives a life outside of God. Whereas Jesus is the one that gave himself and we go through that and we become adopted because of that. And so we actually become part of the life with God so we can know the fullness of this life. And we get to experience eternal peace through the reconciliation of God in Jesus. And we also receive the Holy Spirit who comes and comforts us in the times of turmoil. He's the one that comes and gives us strength in times of weakness. He's the one that comes and gives us words of knowledge when times we don't know. And because of him, we enjoy the peace in our daily lives, even when we find ourselves in the midst of turmoil. This is the whole message of peace at Christmas. Jesus came to earth as a baby with one mission. And that was to restore our broken relationship with God so that we could first experience the wholeness and peace with God ourselves in the personal relationship with Him, but then also to show that peace to the rest of the world so that we can actually go out and they then can enter into the same blessing that we've received. We find peace with God and He came to live life perfectly and died in our place to pay the consequences for our sin. His death made peace between our sinful nature and God's holy nature. His coming back to life gives us hope of living in peace with God. We find wholeness. We find wholeness and peace within ourselves because God then completes us. And we can bring healing and wholeness to others around us in the communities that we're involved with. So right now, take a look at yourself 
and ask yourself, how would you describe it? Are you content? Are you rushed? Are you excited or are you stressed? Are you moving forward or are you going backwards? And sometimes it might be all of them or many at once. How would you describe yourself at the moment? Are you at peace? There's things we dream of doing one day and there's things that we wish we could forget from our past. It's the Bible says that Jesus comes to make all things new, to take away all those things, to give us the life we desire. He gives us the opportunity to take a clean slate, if you will. And with Jesus at the center, he's giving you his gift of peace for this new life that he has. So I'm going to wrap up with a prayer, and it's a pretty common prayer, but if this is you that's wishing for this clean slate and you're seeing yourself and you're like, I want that peace, this is the prayer for you to say. So I encourage you to just say it with me as I say it. Why don't we all shut our eyes and bow our heads in full reverence in front of God. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and I receive you as Saviour and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Lord God, take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen.